You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Corey Allen, and allow me to introduce you to my wife, Pam. Hello, everyone. <laughs> well, each Good and to every, be here today with you. Each and every week, we explore the wisdom and skills of the world's smartest relationship minds, and we try to talk about what's going on that will help people frame their conversations that go on behind closed doors that will build a deeper understanding of how their relationship works and then propel propel their life and marriage forward. Absolutely. Something we can all benefit yeah. from. So if you're new to the show or you're looking for a simple way to tell your friends about the SMR Nation, we highly suggest the episode starter packs. These are collections of our favorite episodes organized by topic. And they give you a taste of everything that we do here on the show. So go to smrnation.com forward slash starter and search, or you can search for our show in the Spotify app. And if you got the feedback, we always like having the nation tell us what's going on in their world. We do. And you can let us know by calling us at 214-702-9565 or email us at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio is a conversation I had with Jay Stringer where we are talking about his book, Unwanted, How Sexual Brokenness Reveals Our Way to Healing. Hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong here, we tried not to therapy out in this conversation. I agree with that. I think you you did a good job on that. But I do want to forewarn everybody that listens, there are some sensitive topics that get covered in this show. Okay. Because we talk about trauma and abuse and even get into some of the darkness in there. Most of that's in the extended content, but but uh, this I was topic, say the free version isn't yeah that, that dark. But this topic is one that it will impact a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And Jay's work is incredibly beneficial and valuable. Mm-hmm. And on the extended mm-hmm. content, which is deeper and longer and no ads, you can subscribe at smrnation.com forward slash smr academy. Uh, we get into the research on his subject. And how unwanted sex, he has a phrase that he says, unwanted sexual behaviors can be both shaped and predicted from what he discovered from his Mm -hmm. research. And so all that's coming up on today's show. So I'm pleased to be able to welcome Jay Stringer to the podcast today. Jay's the author of a book entitled Unwanted, How Sexual Brokenness Reveals Our Way to Healing. And he's a psychotherapist, author, speaker. And you have done an expert job, in my opinion, and several others, by the way, too, just for, if anybody's not familiar with you yet, um, in capturing the, the, negative, the negativeness, the, the dark, the, the broke, you know, all the stuff that we don't like to talk about in our lives and the baggage that we have and, yes. and use that as a way to help reframe and heal. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I am fascinated with this and excited about our conversation, Jay. So welcome. Thank you, Corey, for having me. It's uh, just an honor to be on your show. Well, thank you very much. And so I don't want to get, I mean, we're two clinicians t- chatting here, so <laughs> I don't want to get into that part yet. We'll do that in extended maybe. But um, I, I, I am interested in how people stumble upon or find the work they do. So how did you mm-hmm. wind up? in this particular focus? Yeah. Uh, so two stories initially come to mind. Uh, the first story uh, would be my dad was a minister. And so uh, if you know anything about kind of smaller churches in particular, I mean, there's not a lot of staff. Yeah. So if there was a crisis, if yep. there was a mental health issue, uh, an affair, something along those lines, 
you know, this is the day where not a people, lot, not a lot of people reach out to therapists. Uh, they reach right. out to a minister, to right. a pastor. So I can remember many meals at my household where we did not pick up the phone, but calls would go right to the answering machine. And so that was kind of early Netflix for me. Uh, not great boundaries on my parents' part. Uh, <laughs> not at all. Those were some of those initial stories with regard to, whoa, there is an underbelly that people don't talk about when they gather at, you know, whether it's church or just like a baseball game or anything, people don't, do not talk about the heartache and the crises of their lives. So mm-hmm. that was kind of just an early window into, wow, there are so many stories that I have no idea about. Um, Mm -hmm. So that really intrigued me. Uh, And there's a lot that would happen after that, where my dad would go and attend to these crises. And then my role in the family was often to check in to see how my mom was doing. Uh, So very kind of enmeshed, triangulated relationship with her early on. And so that would shape, you know, my style of relating with women and a lot of stuff we could Debrief, maybe afterwards. Let's just Um, jump. Let's just jump through it right here, real quick, Jay, because you're meddling into my world and uh, bringing to a little (laughs) bit with this as minister's kid. Yeah. So uh, are you really? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of similarities Uh in the story you're sharing (laughs) and to my experience as well. So okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So that shaped, you know, my sense of, wow, there is an underbelly and I have a particular role to play within my family. So Mm -hmm. we can get into that later. But the second story that comes to mind, uh, and I'll try and make this somewhat abbreviated, but my grandmother, uh, my dad's mom, her name was Dorothy and she was just a cold steel door of emotion. So a lot of people have warm stories about their grandmother being like their good object growing up. Uh, Dorothy was not that person. So uh, I can remember being like eight years old and she calls in the middle of January after she had just visited us for Christmas. And she's like, you know, is your dad there? I said, no. said, grandma, can I take a message? And she said, yeah, I just want you to know uh, that I was very disappointed in what your family gave me for Christmas this year. Uh, Okay. I'm eight years old. I'm supposed to be saying that to you. So that all happened. uh, And so we were just really intrigued as to like, where did this kind of, who is this woman? And so I had made an attempt near the end of her life to get to know her. I had taken her out to uh, a cafe gave her these three skeleton keys for her birthday and just said, each of these keys represents, uh, you know, a lunch, a meal that I want to take you out to, to learn more about your life. And five seconds pass, 10 seconds pass. She says nothing, like nothing. Okay. And I don't know what's going to happen. And she eventually looks down at the box of keys and then shoves it back across the table at me and says, Jay, there are some doors you just don't open. There are some stories you just don't tell. And uh, again, mm. uh, we started doing some digging after she died and found a lot of trauma history uh, that she had never opened up about. And to me, that was in grad school when we had that conversation at the end of her life. And that, again, opened up this kind of intrigue and fascination with me of like, there are so many of us that feel like there are doors that we can't open and stories we cannot tell. So that's my work as a therapist, as a clinician, is I want to dive into the stories that couples and individuals do not want to tell. Uh, And I want to do that much more kind, 
curious and efficient than <laughs> at least I've <laughs> than read what was modeled most or, of the books. And, than what yeah, was modeled and what, what's the out there. Absolutely. That are out there. So that was the intro to my work, at least as a child, kind of before my professional work began. But oh. that's what created the intrigue and the mm-hmm. fascination around why do we do what we do? Yeah. And then, uh, and that's, l- let's start there then, because this is kind of what your book is about too, is, you know, mm-hmm. how do we get there? Because yes. it's, it's a far too common occurrence uh, mm-hmm. among us. I mean, one of the, the original co-host I had for Sexy Marriage Radio was a lady named Gina Paris. That she and I were the ones that started this and she was with me as a co-host for two years. And she would have a phrase of, if we could heal the sexual baggage for God's people, we would heal God's people. Just because mm-hmm. it's the universality yeah. of that statement and that experience, yeah. right? And so it is one of those things that in varying degrees we all have and mm-hmm. and, and we all get there, but yeah. it's obviously is varied of a path as as each unique individual. Yes. Yeah. So it, yeah, a couple things about that. So I grew up... Uh, I would. I went through puberty while attending a Southern Baptist high school in rural Virginia. Uh, not a great experience. So you have things like purity culture. What a lot of people don't think about is someone like Augustine, who was a brilliant theologian, philosopher in his own right, also struggled with out of control sexual behavior. And if you've ever struggled with something and you try and develop a theology or philosophy out of self-hatred, it's not going to be very healthy. So Augustine and a lot of the church fathers have bequeathed on to church tradition just a lot of shame, a lot of stigma in the area of sexuality, which has led to a lot of the current things like purity culture Mm -hmm. and a lot of the things that have done so much harm. Mm -hmm. And so my assessment of kind of the Christian faith-based world is that they have gone into the direction of lust management. And lust management would be, you know, bounce your eyes, uh, get some internet monitoring on your computer, get into accountability. Uh, Some people slap rubber bands around their wrists. Some people try and take cold showers. Uh, So it's this attempt to try to manage your life. But then when you look at a lot of what's happening in progressive culture, uh, they see sexual shame and stigma as the primary issue. So the issue is if we could just reduce the shame and stigma, then couples are going to make healthier choices. And sometimes that's true, but a lot of times that's not true. And so what my work around my book Unwanted was, was what if we could develop a third way that wasn't about pathologizing, but also wasn't about overly normalizing. So I use the phrase unwanted sexual behavior, not to go into the sex addiction realm Mm -hmm. and also not to go into, let's just be sex positive, Mm -hmm. which I want to be, but not normalizing of things that you know, a lot of couples are dealing with. So uh, I did some research on about 4,000 men and women who are struggling with, uh, you know, affairs, porn use, buying sex. And we wanted to get a sense of what is the why that's driving this. So instead of um, just trying to manage something or dismiss something, what could we learn about unwanted sexual behavior? And I hired a team of PhDs because I do not have my PhD, Dr. (laughs) Allen. (laughs) Um, But and. Part of what we found, I think, was just stunning. Uh, th- th- what I, if I had to summarize all the research, it would be this. 
uh, unwanted sexual behavior is not random. It is a direct reflection of the parts of our story that remain unaddressed. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, unwanted sexual behavior in an individual's life or the crises that a couple goes through is not a life sentence to shame or stigma. It's actually a roadmap to healing. Right. And so that's my whole approach is like, what are the difficulties that every couple has to go through? So everybody's going to have a sexual crucible, whether it is a porn problem, affair, a third of all marriages will encounter an affair. There is always going to be a high desire and a low desire sexual partner within a marriage. And so how do we work with the sexual problem, not to stigmatize or mm -hmm. pathologize people, but to say, what is this thing trying to communicate? What is it trying to teach? And how can we use the antagonist and the difficulty and the shame as a roadmap to healing and not this life sentence to he's an addict or he's always going to struggle with this right. or she's always going to be however, you know. Right, the judgment that we bring no, from there. So, man, you're speaking my language on this, yeah. Jay, because this is one of those things that, while I love uh, the framework of like the twelve steps and some of the addiction model, that it truly does give somebody uh, something they can put their teeth in for the moment mm -hmm. to help yeah. get a hold of some stuff. You know, because most of us, I mean, that's, that's the one thing I've kind of figured out over the years of doing this, and then also the years, the twenty years of being a therapist. Everybody, in large part, just just give me the answer, right? Tell tell me what mm -hmm. I tell me what I'm supposed to do, right? I think we all yeah. kind of are bent that way. But yes. if somebody gives yeah. me the answer, it's I won't like it, it or it won't mm -hmm. go well, and then I can blame them or you know whatever it might be, rather than realizing, okay, if I can get a framework to start, that's mm -hmm. that's good. But I don't yes. like the labels like you're describing that make it an indefinite life sentence. It's yes. yep. like, hold on, we, we evolve and we grow and we, we mature and we create mm -hmm. wisdom. And there's, there's so many things we do as people that we weren't who we were. And, and how do we kind of, uh, that's the thing I like about the, what you're describing is it creates almost a freedom path for mm -hmm. people, an empowerment yep. path exactly. for people. Yeah. So one of the things like we looked at was, you know, we know that two thirds of men are looking at porn, if not more. Um, we know that, you know, a third of all women use porn now. We know that a third of all marriages will Im be impacted by infidelity. But we, at least from a lot of the research that I looked at, uh, I couldn't get a sense of kind of why. And so one of the things that my research looked at was, could we predict uh, someone's porn preference, like actually what they put into Google or what they're looking for okay. in a particular porn site. And what could we learn about those things? So like one example of that would be that men who sought out porn with, you know, someone that was younger, uh, a body type or a race that suggested to them some level of subservience. Uh, if that was your porn preference, uh, your background, the key drivers of that porn preference had to do with uh, having a father that was strict, uh, a lack of purpose in life, and a high level of shame. And so if we were to just kind of play, you know, armchair psychologist for a minute, 
we have to begin to kind of think about what is the strategy embedded within a, a sexual problem. Mm-hmm. And so let's say your sexual problem is porn and that's your porn preference. Well, maybe you've been through a type of childhood where your father or a family system or a religious system exercised a lot of dogma and control over you. So they were constantly telling you what to do. The discipline wasn't the root word of discipline, which is disciple to teach. It was actually to shame and to humiliate. And so if you're growing up in a very powerless context, well, part of the appeal to porn is that porn is not just about fantasy and lust. Porn is about problem power. Right. It's the ability to get exactly what I want when I want it. And so if you come from a family system that blocked desire, that kind of told you that you were bad and wrong and you needed to go and find your desires in secretive, well, lo and behold, you're going to have something of a porn problem later. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or that lack of purpose issue. We found that people struggling with unwanted sexual behavior uh, were seven times more likely to be dealing with a lack of purpose. And so just that sense that if you don't like your job, you feel like you're spinning your wheels in your relationship, you look back at your life and see a lot of just failure and misery and just that sense of like, what's the point and even right. trying tomorrow? Uh, well, if you feel stuck, you're going to pursue behaviors that provide a temporary relief, but far more they compound all the original feelings of purposelessness. Because once you are in something of an out-of-control behavior, it's both comfort for you, but far more it's the sense of misery and Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be able to get out of this. And so that's what we started learning about you know, fantasy types, uh, specific decisions that people were making is that we could learn so much about someone's story based in the type of unwanted sexual behavior that they were choosing. And so that's, you know, just that invitation to how can we be curious about a sexual problem? So in some couples, that sexual problem is high desire. Like it's like, I want porn, I want an affair, I'm going to buy sex. In some marriages, there's also a low desire partner, which kind of struggles with hypoactive sexual desire disorder, uh, where I just can't even find desire for Mm -hmm. sex. And sometimes those types of couples find each other. And that's the the real uh, difficulty and also opportunity for couples is, you know, most of the time they kind of run in packs where there's a high sure. desire, low desire. Yeah, that, so. that's that idea of we can we can look at things in, in some regards, if we're looking well enough, it'll make sense, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, okay, yes. I, I get it. I, okay, I see how that, and, and I think it's worth noting just for anybody that's listening that's not familiar with, the, with research terminology and stuff that we are kind of, tell me if I'm wrong, Jay, we're talking correlation here, not causation, you know, because yeah. if I was raised by a strict yeah. father, that doesn't mean I will X, Y, Z. It just means there's exactly. a likelihood or a possibility. That's a factor. Yeah. Okay. They're drivers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the way that my research uh, lead researcher put it is he said, you know, there's a high, you know, correlation between turkeys, hams and Christmas, but turkeys do not cause Christmas. Correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you do know that you're approaching yes. Christmas. Yeah. You know, the holidays are around the turkey. corner when you start seeing them more yeah. and more. But turkeys do not cause right. Thanksgiving. Right. So, so today, today, Pam, 
with the sponsors for Sexy Marriage Radio, we are just helping out men everywhere. Manscaped <laughs> is a long-term sponsor here at Sexy Marriage Radio. And they want you to not even have to think about what goes on in the nether regions and how you can keep trim or smooth because they have revolutionary products. Success when preparation meets opportunity and Manscaped's Platinum Package will make sure that you're prepared when opportunity strikes. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code SMR. We've talked about the Premium Performance Package 4.0 in the past. Mm-hmm. I have the Premium Performance Package 4.0. Yes, you do. My son has used the Premium Performance Package. Well, now they have the Platinum Package 4.0, which is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. They designed this package to allow you to fully align your entire hygiene routine with their elite products. So what do you got in the Platinum Package, Pam? That's what I, I was asking. I know you're asking the question. You'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer. Highly recommend. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Highly recommend. The Ultimate Premium Body Wash. Ultimate Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner. Premium Deodorant. Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant. Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner. Anti-Chafing Boxers. The Shed Travel Bag to hold it all together in one nice package which is really what Manscaped is all about. They're just trying to help you present one nice, clean package. Get 20% (laughs) off and free shipping with the code SMR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use our code SMR. Use the platinum package because the gold standard, it's no longer even good enough. Uh, I, I love this because this is one of those things that is so desperately needed for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, there, there's two things that come to my mind with this, Jay. One is um, it, it's, it's, it shines a light on uh, a dark history every one of us can have to varying degrees, mm-hmm. right? That, that we're, we have these different things that happened to us when we were powerless. We have these different things that we've brought on ourselves when we were a little bit older. Um, we have these things that we can still continually bring mm-hmm. on ourselves while we're adults, even like just by choices and, and so one, just shining a light on that matters because I think it's important to realize these are behaviors that are going on and there's things that are happening and they will cause uh, issue. You know, there, there will be consequences from them. Uh, but then the other thing is helping people make sense of well, why does this happen? Why did, why, you know, because a lot of us, I think we, we can... I don't know. I've had moments of my, obviously you and I with a, with similar backgrounds going through grad school. Cause part of what therapy training is, is you go through a lot of therapy and you deal with yourself a lot. <laughs> uh, so you can help other people in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's the courage it takes to look back at my history and, and ask some questions that sometimes aren't good because we want to paint a, a Disneyland version of history a lot of times. Cause I don't want to think of my parents as, as bad or mm-hmm. as evil or cruel or, you know, too domineering. And, and so it's just recognizing the importance of people needing to be able to do this because this is what, this is who we live with, right? <laughs> this is, I don't know if you're familiar with David Schnarch, but he, one of my favorite oh, yeah. phrases of his is, you know, we need to realize in marriage, we live with an emotional terrorist and then there's our spouse to deal with too. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So brilliant. And it's that, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the real bridge, right? So, um, like the way that 
you know, a trauma therapist, Bessel van der Kolk kind of talks about is, you know, the uh, trauma is not just this uh, memory of something long ago. It's the current imprint on that, of that event on us today. And so, you know, sometimes we do have a lot of, you know, the, the difficulties and the crucibles that every marriage has to go through. They invite us to healing. They, they invite us to kind of attend to our adverse childhood experiences, those moments where we were powerless, those moments where we were used, those moments where we were neglected. Uh, so it, we need to heal. But, you know, to Schnarch's point and yours, like we also need to build the bridge between how did these early traumas now influence us to be fairly militant. And I think, you know, uh, Schnarch also uses the term uh, normal marital sadism. One of my favorites. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Is that we can become cruel. And that's often, I mean, that's the work of both grief and strength is Mm -hmm. I need to be able to attend to places where I was used and hurt, but I also need to be able to connect the dots where I learned that something of my own anger could be powerful when I begin to kind of feel backed into a corner with my spouse or when I want to blame her and influence her to feel a lot of shame for a decision that she made. So marriage is just, it's that razor's edge where you've got to go back to deal with the debris in your story, but you also need to have the integrity to really confront parts of yourself that Uh, are not lovely. Uh, They're actually mean and Mm -hmm. manipulative. And the more that I've gone back to address my mother and father's manipulation over my life, and I've seen the impact to that boy, that in a way tenderizes me to be able to kind of get a sense of that's not that I don't want to be something of a militant, dogmatic and angry husband. Mm -hmm. I've got some things that I need to confront. So no, and that's and that's good. And I think every one of us has this work ahead of us. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would I would jokingly say to people when I get a chance to speak. You know, I, I realize I'm biased. You you would be biased too. That everybody needs therapy because we're all born in families, mm-hmm. and every yeah. family has varying degrees of dysfunction. Just when you're in it, it doesn't seem like that as much. It just seems like well, that's just mm-hmm. what we do. But then you look back at it, or your spouse points out points out. Um, you guys are crazy. You realize that? You, what, what you, <laughs> the way you do life, that's crazy, right? Because she's comparing it to how they did life, which yeah. then you would say the yeah. same thing. Well, you're crazy, honey, because I can't believe you guys do this or that, the, you know, because it's just there's so many variations of what we all experience. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. So it it, it, it would be a disservice to those of the people that are listening to this of the, the roadmap of what do you do with this? Because you can talk about how do you get here, how do you get out of here? So how what are some things that are logical next best steps for people that are hearing this and, and they're not familiar with with this idea? And what's what's the next best step next best step for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes it's that sense of, um, so if we were to look at something like uh, porn, right? So it it would be that sense of at what point did you, were you introduced to it? So yeah, sure. You could have found something on the side of the road, but more often than not, uh, it was introduced some way, somewhat relationally. So Mm -hmm. even if your grandfather, your father had some stack of magazines and a 
somewhat hidden place. Right. It's still, I mean, kids are natural detectives. They're going to scour everything in mm-hmm. case the home. So that sense of like, why was there such a neglect within your home to actually protect you from some of that? Uh, so you got to go back to kind of be able to say who introduced it to me, or if this is a recurrent problem that I've had since I was 15 or 18, get really curious about why you might want to do that and try and develop something of the strategy. So some of you, uh, might be dealing with hypo arousal, meaning like I can't find any desire for sex. I used to have it, but being able to like have a compassionate approach to be able to say, I wonder why I've needed to turn off desire in my marriage or throughout my life. And sometimes that might go back to childhood harm where, you know, abuse, uh, before abuse became traumatic and incredibly shameful, most abusers are trying to groom their victims so that they feel pleasure and desire, right? right? So if we come from families that tend to be very rigid or disengaged, an abuser's first involvement in our life is to celebrate us, to right. name us, right. uh, to bring pleasure. And sometimes when our bodies feel alive with someone and then their shame afterwards, we can learn, like, if I just turn off desire, then I don't have to deal with shame or betrayal anymore. So uh, it could also be just that sense of in your marriage, you feel like you're married to someone who... Uh, if they don't get sex or intimacy or what they want, uh, they become fairly entitled. And it's mm-hmm. really hard to find desire for an entitled asshole. It just yep. is. So that sense of uh, you know hypoarousal, you need to honor it before yeah. you seek to change it and yeah. pathologize it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is get really curious. And as you've hinted at and said uh, see a therapist that will allow you to, you know, excavate your story to deal with some of that debris. Uh, and then also, I mean, this is always one of those difficult things of how do we talk to our friends about some of these themes, but, uh, shame convinces us that we're, we are abnormal. Um, there's something wrong with us. And, uh, usually we try to, you know, hide and run away from those messages of shame. Mm-hmm. So anytime you can turn towards the shame and say, this is what it's telling me about myself and tell that to your spouse, uh, you're going to create a much better foundation to begin to engage this stuff. So uh, groups are very effective. Uh, Getting a therapist that's trained in sex therapy, not just in sex addiction therapy. Uh, So there's a lot of things that we can do, but I think it it has to be that sense of... uh, you know, we go into this in order to learn about ourselves. So you've got to fall in love with the problems and what you're going to find. And then you've, uh, you've said you, this several yeah. times. It's it's touching on using that word curious, right? It's it's yes. how do I how do I just be curious about mm-hmm. some of these things? Because I think then we yes. go into it with a much more openness as our stance mm-hmm. rather than a determinative. Yes. I've got to find the right answer. Now that one doesn't quite fit. Now that one does. And then, well, hold on. What if it's not that clean? What if it's a bunch of these things yeah. that are collaborating mm-hmm. to make this happen? Yeah, it's that sense that like uh, our sex life is working for us, not against us. Mm-hmm. And if we could really believe that, I think it would change a lot. So it, if, if we sidestep this to just an issue like anxiety, right? Anxiety is something that we pathologize all the time these days. But the purpose of anxiety is good. It's to get us into movement, right? Mm-hmm. So if I live in Florida and a hurricane is coming through, that anxiety is propelling me to get to Home Depot, get some plywood and get some stuff 
shield up. If I live in Boston and there's a snowstorm coming through, that anxiety is saying, get some shovels and deal with this. Right. So um, we need to be able to increase our tolerance for anxiety rather than just develop an anxiety reduction model. So it's the same thing with sexual problems. They are normative. Every relationship has to travel through them. So we need to be able to develop our tolerance for sexual difficulties, not try to just reduce them immediately. And that's, I mean, that's from the outset of our conversation. We want it to be like, you know, when I have a problem with my uh, forerunner, I've got an old Toyota forerunner and I just, I don't want to deal with, so I have a mechanic and that's what I want. I don't want to deal with any of the grime, any of the right. dirt, any of the complexity. And unfortunately, we just don't have that. Like, I'm just going to drop my soul off at a therapist, <laughs> hope they can, and I'll pick it up in an hour. It just, it right. doesn't work like that. And no. I wish it did. I, <laughs> so, I get it. And I get it. I, I'm glad that it requires a lot of agony as well, because that that's where connection, vulnerability, intimacy is really found. That's where you create, but that's also where you create something of a life that is so much deeper Mm -hmm. and richer and engaging and connected. So Jay, tell, tell, tell the members of the nation how they can find you. What's, what's the easiest way? Uh, so my website is jay-stringer.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram uh, with jay underscore stringer underscore. Uh, and, you know, that website has like an online course. If you're interested in going deeper, there's a self-assessment based on the research that I did. So if you want to get some compass headings about what might be driving your, uh, you know, compulsive mm-hmm sexual behavior, that's a great instrument that will give you some, you know, places of curiosity of here's some things that might be influencing that from your story. And yeah, you can find my book there as well or on Amazon. And I'll I'll put all that will be in the show notes. So Jay, thank you so much for the time thus far. And I'm looking forward to geeking out a little bit with you about the the research and going a little deeper here in just a second. It's quite an honor to talk to Jay and the depth of the work that he does. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, we could have gone for longer and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of disappointed because when we recorded this, we had technical issues at the beginning and we each only had an hour. And so we had a hard stop mm, <laughs> or we yeah. could have got even more going. So we'll get him back on the show I was again. Say, next time. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I'm curious, what's your takeaway? What, what, what stood out to you from this, Pam? Well, there, there's a lot of things that stood out to me. And I, I think of, you know, he, here he is diving into um, bringing away to healing mm-hmm. by reframing old hurts. And, mm-hmm. you, and you hear about him talking about his, his grandma. Right. And her just flat out, hey, there's, there's some things we just don't talk about, we never share. And how many people do that? That's and, a history of a lot of us. Right. And, and then I keep doing the same thing over and over. I think of uh, him then reframing that with the shame that's associated and how shame makes me keep doing these unwanted things over and over. Mm-hmm. Not makes me, but that that's the cycle that I get into. And if we're not willing to unpack and just look at ourselves, look at our history, 
It's not like we're trying to point blame on everybody. Right. We're just trying to figure out how to be better going forward. Right. He is he is the epitome of something I've said before. He just captures it really, really well in his work of the idea of when I'm dealing with trauma, I got to go towards it. Mm-hmm. And that's counterintuitive in a lot of ways. And whether it's what we have referred to in the past, big T, little t, it's all the all same. All of it impacts us. There's correlations yeah. Yeah. involved in all of that. And, and it's so good that he um, dives into this to the depth he does and he gets into the nitty gritty mm-hmm. with people. I mean, what that's what was so much fun to me is it's almost like a therapy session during the extended content of just mm-hmm. talking about some of the deeper, darker mm-hmm. that goes on. I lo- I, one other thing that I, that I love, especially in today's day and age with anxiety being such a key word. Right. right? And, and talking about developing coping skills for anxiety, not that I need to get rid of it. Correct. Because it's always going to be there. But I think there's so many things that that are going on, I mean, in our church, in in all kinds of different places, um, in in the schools, that it's like, well, we'll remove your anxiety from things. So everything we're doing is trying to point toward removing and keeping you out of these situations where you might have anxiety. Well, that's where we can grow. That's where we can get bigger and better. Um, so pointing that out, you know, we've got to just figure out how to cope with things quite often. Right. As opposed to just try and not have anything happen that will make us right. anxious. That's the, that's the Schnarchian phrase of we have to learn to tolerate some discomfort Yeah. for our growth. We don't just make things go away because yeah. our world is not bubble wrap. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it is not a safe place to be. As his work and our lives, mm-hmm. anybody listening in the nation can attest to. Mm-hmm. Well, if you like the show, you can help us out by rating and reviewing SMR on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you choose to listen. Your comments help us spread the word about the show and help others frame their conversations about what goes on behind their closed doors. Transcripts of all our shows are available on the show notes on each of the episode's pages. All our advertisers, deals, and discount codes are also on each of the episode's pages at smrnation.com. Please consider supporting those who support the show. The greatest compliment you can give us is to share the show with those that you care about and recommend to those that may need some healing. We all know some people in our lives, this particular episode, that they've got some things they don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a way in. Remember, we improve those around us when we improve ourselves. So take your first step by applying what you hear on our show each and every week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.